Welcome to the Global Discussion, discussions with creatives, leaders, and thinkers. My name's Simon Hodgkins, and I'm delighted to be joined by Liza Donnelly. Uh, Liza, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let's begin by asking you to introduce yourself to our worldwide audience. So over to you, Liza. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and get to know you a little bit. Um, I am a writer cartoonist, and I've been doing that for my whole life. I mean, I started as a kid drawing cartoons. Um, but it's been my professional life too for 40 some years. Um, and I um, I, don't, I don't know how to capsulize it, but I, I also gave a TED talk in, in uh, about 10 years ago about uh, using humor for change. And that's one of my passions is using humor. Um, well, I mean, humor has many uses to entertain, but also um, to make people, um, to connect people and to make people, um, uh, discuss things. It's about ideas and dialogue. That's how I see drawing cartoons and 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 uh, political sometimes, but also cultural because we all we all share similar things in our lives. Um, and I've been with the New Yorker magazine for my career, whole career, and do a lot of things for a lot of other people too. I've done eight. I've written and edited eighteen books. And one um, uh, of my I'm looking at some notes. Remember to tell you things. Um, one of my passions is um, I. I'm a member of something called Cartooning for Peace, which is an organization based in Paris, and it's not it's not like it's not about drawing cartoons about per, peace per se. It was started by uh, Jean Plantu, and I was one of one of the fir first cartoonists uh, to be uh, part of the group in 2005. Um, started the union in, in New York after the Danish cartoon car controversy. Kofi Annan was aware that uh, cartoons were very powerful and he loved cartoons. So he brought a bunch of us together to talk at the UN about the power of cartoons uh, and the problems with cartoons. Um, uh, and, and from there, I've just been been a part of that group and we, we give talks around the globe. Um, they have exhibits. It's a way to talk about political ideas internationally. And it's a way to, you know, through Cartooning for Peace, I've met so many international cartoonists and learned about their worlds uh, through their cartoons, often because I can't talk to them, that we speak a different language, but we speak the same language visually. So that's um, been like, along with the New Yorker, that's that's a, a core part of of my world is is international um, cartoons. So. Listen, thank you very much indeed for for sharing that with us. I mean, your um, achievements, uh, your tenure within this industry is nothing short of magnificent. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, I admire uh, the work that you put out. And I love the fact that you use the term as well, visual journalist, don't you? Mm -hmm. um, maybe you could unpack that a little bit for me, because I've been talking to a number of artists, um, not necessarily in in, in your world, where you, you're writing for, for very well-established and well-known global publications, uh, and you know producing uh cartoon structured work uh, mm -hmm. but your ability to tell a topic that might be political cultural mm -hmm. sensitive important humorous uh to a global audience as a visual journalist i think it's the one of the ultimate skills because you you don't have the luxury of paragraphs and paragraphs of text or a video you're telling it within almost a snapshot yeah so could you maybe talk a little bit about that side of things and that video visual journalistic yeah that's approach. It's, a, it's a long complicated subject uh it can be um when i was young i was very 
shy and quiet and I was suspicious of words. So I tended to, to draw visual ideas. I'll turn my phone off, it's making noise. Visual ideas. Uh, and that's how I communicated with my parents and then with my schoolmates is to draw pictures and about what I was seeing or, or understanding. And, um, and then actually, I, I lived in, I happened to live in Rome for a year uh, when I was in high school. So with my family and I learned about international cartoons and their ability to use drawings and humor without words. It's because so many European countries, they are wordless and they many Euro European cartoonists and, and international cartoonists are such masters at using visual metaphors and beautiful drawings to talk about ideas in pictures. And um, so that, that's that been my model is to, trying to, to, to use that. And also, you know, having, I grew up uh, during um, Watergate and I was inspired by the political cartoonists of that time, like Gary Trudeau and um, her block for the Washington Post. And I really wanted to be a political cartoonist because I wanted to help 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 the world, very idealistic young woman. And I, I wanted to uh, use my drawings to do that. And um, at the time I felt the, political cartoons were too were, were too opinionated and too loud. And I didn't think I could be a part of that. It's not my personality. So I started, I looked at the New Yorker and the New Yorker has always had political cartoons. So I started submitting to them when I finished college and, and they accepted my work. So that was a thrill. But um, so I've learned over the years how to draw cartoons that are about cultural and political issues that aren't, um, you know, I'm not yelling my opinion at anybody. I'm commenting on something or I'm sharing something with somebody because I think, and particularly now, since we've learned that um, cartoons can be catalysts for real problems and real and and death and 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 um, riots and things like that. And that's I'm not blaming the cartoonists, but I'm saying they can cause problems or they can be catalysts for problems. And um, so my feeling is, as a cartoonist, as a visual artist, it's sort of my responsibility to um, uh, think about that. I mean, I, I, I'm very lucky that I have freedom of expression. I live in the US uh, and I'm, I'm fortunate that I can do what I wanna do, but I don't think that I need to draw everything just because I can. There are other ways to express ideas without, um, without uh, insulting other people or being mean or whatever, whatever. That's my kind of cartooning. I I do think we need uh, really powerful cartoonists to go after our leaders and wherever we are uh, to hold them accountable. That's incredibly important. Um, I'm not that kind of cartoonist so much, but um, yeah. So that's when I say visual journalism, that's partly what I mean that using cartoons as dialogue and talking about issues, but also, um, and you've seen me do this on social media. Now I do something that is really what I call visual journalism, which is live drawing when I'm out in the world doing things or attending events that I, and I live draw my tablet quickly and share it on social media. And so it's a way of, of showing my followers and people out there on on the internet, what I'm experiencing, what I'm seeing. And it could be um, like you just commented to me before this broadcast about drawing on the subway. So I draw on my on my phone with my finger on, my, on the subway, but I also do it on my iPad um, at uh, cultural and political events. And I've done this um, for The New Yorker. I've done it for CNN and CBS News and um, a lot of some other uh, media outlets to 
to report on what's going on with visuals and some words sometimes. So that's, and I love doing it. It's, uh, it's a way for people to see things that I experience or share with people what I'm experiencing. Either I've been to the Oscars five times. I'm going to go again this year and live draw behind the scenes um, wherever I can get access. I can't get access to everything. They, they're very careful there, but I have some access and I wander around and draw. So yes, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you. And I pioneered that, Simon. I'm very proud of that. I mean, not that, I mean, live drawing has been around for centuries, but using, using, using uh, digital tools is something new that I, that I think I was the first to do it. So. Well, I, I think you're, you're definitely a front runner. You're at the, that sort of meeting point of that combining the digital media and the art. Mm. And you mentioned the subway drawing. I follow them religiously because it's oh. great to know that you're on the subway. You're literally just doing a quick, you know, yeah. you've got the tablet there. You, you, you're using your finger, as you know, <laughs> and uh, you post them online and they're always wonderful. Uh, so I'd encourage people to follow that. And of course, the work that you do, whether it's the New York Times or, you know, uh, I know you've, you work for uh, many publications, the New Yorker, for example, a uh, long-time cartoonist there and uh, writer. Uh, and you're also a contributing um, writer, aren't you? You've also contributed pieces. You've done on-air uh, mm -hmm. as well. So um, do you balance that or, you know, how does that work? Um, yeah, I balance it. I think um, I've written some nonfiction essays for The New Yorker and The New York Times op-ed pieces and um, Washington Post. And uh, it's usually something that I'm passionate about, I'm interested in, uh, in my in my world or something related to my world. Like when um, the Charlie Hebdo murders, I wrote a piece, op-ed piece for the New Yorker, New York, New York Times. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a balancing act. And I, and I've learned, I have a, I have a newsletter and I, um, and I also work on medium.com. I have a column there. I've learned uh, the joys of using a drawing, but also writing with the drawing. So the drawing, they complement each other. And I've I've done that with my public speaking too. So when I talk, the TED, the TED talk I did, I've done on numerous TEDxs, but I use whatever ideas I'm trying to get across, I will use cartoons behind me to uh, highlight what I'm saying or to make a point of what I'm saying. Because I think humor, and I'm sure you agree, I know you agree, humor is a great way to get at important topics, uh, sort of slip it in there. You've got people's attention, you make them laugh, their guard is down, and then you you can talk about something that they may not want to read about or think about. So it's great. I couldn't agree more, Liza. <laughs> and I, I yeah. think what's incredible about your work is you can tell a whole story in one image. Mm. And you can also make people think, uh, and I suppose this is where the debate comes in for many, but you can change opinions. You can use that, you know, maybe sometimes it's that hint of humor that helps also a difficult subject move on or move forward or to be viewed through maybe a different lens. And I think having the ability to do that through a cartoon or, you know, a drawing, um, it's an incredible skill. Uh, and it's also a great uh, contributor to helping some of the trickier moments in life. Uh, 
Mm. Uh, sometimes it softens them. Sometimes it makes you think about things a little bit different. Sometimes there's a you know a bit of political humor in there that mm. pokes fun maybe and makes people think about things in a slightly different way. Mm. But getting that balance right, you mentioned Charlie Hebdo, and I was I was going to raise that obviously, and mm. uh, the um, op-ed pieces that you've written, etc. But it does show you that the, it it is a maybe a fine line if that's not too uh not, not the wrong uh statement to use but it getting it right it's an art it it, it mm. takes a lot of thought um and yet it's mixed with a creative you know passion and flow and skill and mm-hmm. i suppose from submitting your work as a you know when you finished uh, college and submit them into the new yorker and going oh my goodness they got accepted you know i'm sure it was yeah. very exciting was many moons ago but um, what about that, Liza? What about what I'm saying there in terms of the the importance of of that work and the, its ability to really move people, both you know mentally, emotionally, uh, as humans? It's uh, it's it, it's it is a fine line. It's a very delicate line to walk. Um, trying to think of how to answer you. I mean, I, I'm I'm worried that uh, political cartoons are becoming less and less relevant um, because there's so much pulling people's attention and um, memes and um, video clips of comedians are all great, but they are making political cartoons a little less um, important than before the internet. I mean, on the one hand, I felt like the internet was great because it got voices out there. I mean, it helped me. I got a lot of attention through Twitter and a lot of work through Twitter. Um, but on the other hand, it's now now I'm finding it harder to keep um, to get any anybody to pay attention. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I mean, with Charlie Hebdo um, and also the Danish cartoon controversy happened, if your viewers may not remember that one, but um, that was right as the internet was becoming a thing and extremists used the, these cartoons that were commissioned by a Danish editor to draw Muhammad. They were used by extremists to rile up their base and it caused a lot of destruction. So the internet there was um, at fault for that, I think. Um, and uh, and so I think we still have that problem because humor, humor can be uh, misunderstood so easily. Now that's the biggest problem. You have to be. You have to really think twice before, three times, or four times before you finish that cartoon and put it out there on the internet. Because you know, I've, I've made some mistakes, um, and uh, I learned my lesson. Nothing, nothing horrible, but I've I've learned. And since I don't really have an editor, the New Yorker is a different system where it doesn't. Um, the they don't they don't edit me really. They either buy something or they don't. So when I'm doing political cartoons for myself, I'm I'm my editor, so I have to be careful that I'm sure I'm saying what I want to say and and it's going to be received. And you, you never know how it's going to be received. It could be received poorly or wrongly, or I I just didn't understand that I was going to offend somebody. So yeah, yeah, and I, I suppose that's the the exactly the fine line we're touching on. That it's um, on one hand it can shape opinions and move people. On the other hand how it's received by people can be very different mm-hmm. and the rules are always changing and the, the, the trends are always changing and the cultures are always changing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
and I suppose the tools. And at the moment, we're in this, you know, resurgence of the importance of AI. And there's lots oh, of, yeah. you know, uh, things like Mid Journey and tools that are out there where people mm -hmm. are creating an in inverted commas art, uh, where actually they're it's stitching together stuff that it's trawled from the web. Yes. Um, but it, it is a very interesting time. Um, and what 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 led you to to be in this sort of creator of this digital live drawing, Liza? What was that just a personal passion, or was it something that you really feel was, strong just, about? Yeah, it just happened on it. Actually, uh, I was given a an iPad as a gift back in 2014, I think, and I was watching the U.S. State of the Union Union address they have every year, and um, it could be pretty boring. <laughs> But uh, at that time, I started drawing what I was seeing on the on the TV, and I, this app I use, you can tweet it out immediately. And my drawings at that time, and they're still like this, were kind of bold and colorful and very uh, painterly almost. Or, but uh, I put them out on about what I was seeing, and with maybe a snarky comment in the in the tweet, and it. It, I noticed that it got attention. People liked that. They, it was nothing was happening like that on the internet. And this is 2014. So uh, I just kept doing it because I enjoyed it. I, it's another form of communication with my viewers. Another, you know, like we're all watching this together. Isn't that weird? Isn't that tie weird? Isn't that, you know, that thing that uh, the president said bizarre or whatever? Um, and people can share it. So that's how that started. And then I began to get employed to do it here and there. So that's, I, I'm not, I'm not hired a lot. And I'm, I'm always looking for more people that want to hire me to do that kind of work, because it's actually a quiet form of journalism that I, I don't think a lot of the legacy media quite um, are interested in or understand. But uh, I think a lot of people enjoy it because it's visual. I, I think you're spot on. I think a lot of people are enjoying it. I think it's a, certainly a growing trend and something that you're pioneering. And you know whether it's the new yorker or the new york times or the washington post or cnn or cbs you know that they're all covering these major events we're all watching the things that happen around the world i know you mentioned the medium platform earlier and i know you you do things there but you also use substack right I and uh, think you know like you for example the uh, you know the terrible uh, devastation that's happened in turkey recently yeah. and you know you're able to put out things there and sort of you know, it, it, it's sort of a visual, it's an instant visual reminder that yes. we're all in this together. We're all watching it exactly. together. Yeah, right. You know. It is a global, well, that's your podcast, a global, it's a global world now. And I've seen in my lifetime, um, I've certainly seen that change. And uh, so what better way to connect with other people is than through drawings. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. And I'm very jealous that you'll be backstage at the Oscars. That must be quite interesting. What did well, you say? I, wouldn't, I, I don't want to mischaracterize what I'm doing. I'm not backstage. I wish I was. I've tried. But I get to wander around um, the red carpet and uh, I get to go to the kitchen. I, I've met Wolfgang Puck and I draw the chefs and um, I get to go to the dress rehearsal. So it's stuff like that. And then I go in the media room, which is where the all the media is during the broadcast and I draw from the monitor, but uh, when they win, they come into the media room and they're just stand the winners are standing right there and we get to ask them questions and I draw them. So that's wonderful. What a great very experience. Fun. I love movies and films. So it's for me, it's a, 
it's thrilling yeah that that sounds wonderful so whether it's a, a state of the nation whether you're sitting on the subway whether you're at the oscars <laughs> right um, you're always drawing which is fantastic yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fantastic well look i, I want to move move on a little bit thanks for sharing that with me liza i want to move on a little bit and ask you a few questions about you because i like to uh, bring some elements of the individual to these discussions and okay. I want to ask you first of all about your own learning styles it's obvious that you know you work very much in a visual medium um, through through art and when you're learning things though are you a, do you learn visually are you watching YouTubes are you are you reading are you listening to audio books are you just not bothered with all of that and you just want to crash out and put Netflix on how does that world work for you when you're onboarding information whether for for your work or just for pleasure? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> uh, I think Nora Ephron said, uh, the, the humor writer, uh, everything is copy. So um, uh, cartoonists are like sponges. We uh, we soak up the world. And so um, even watching Netflix is, is uh, education for like what's going on. I, I mean, we as cartoonists, we have to keep our pulse on the culture. At least that's how I see it what's going on, what people are talking about, you know, I've done a white Lotus cartoon, you know, I, so I don't know if that's, you. I don't know if you see that in, in, in uh, Ireland, but it's a TV show. Anyway, uh, and that's the challenge is to get, get, be in touch with what's happening abroad culturally as well. I'm more focused on the U.S., but um, yeah, I read, uh, I listen to audiobooks when I go for runs or walks. I, um, I, I like nonfiction, although in the summer I try to read fiction to, to get out of just to loosen my mind a little bit and read stories if I have time to read fiction I I'll read it but uh, usually I read nonfiction um to learn something during the pandemic I ran a lot and I would listen to great books on tape so many I read so many I listened to so many books on tape non-fiction yeah, non an interesting medium isn't it the audio listening to a book mm. you know it's a mm -hmm. It is, it is very helpful for a lot of people, particularly if you're running or you're outside exercising or you're doing something yeah. else at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Or driving, some people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, yeah. So we love, I do I do turn, I turn off my uh, work brain by 6.30 or 7 and make dinner with my husband and we watch a show on TV. So our movie. So yeah, that's my. Relax. You're not reaching for the iPad then and doodling away while you're watching. It's all off. By I then. try not to, unless it's the State of the Union or some kind of awards okay. show, or, yeah. or all the hearings that we've had in the U.S. recently, the impeachment hearings. I I drew those from my, I drew those from my phone, uh, my uh, my iPad here at home. Very yeah. good. And while we're on the subject of books, um, you're no stranger to the world of books, and you know you've authored eighteen books. I think. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? When did you start writing books? Uh, what's the last book that you published? What's the book that you're most proud of? Um, um, well, when I was uh, in the 80s, I, uh, I had an idea for a children's book. That's where it started. And um, an agent I met socially, she said, that's a great idea. So we, uh, I created a template or a dummy, they call them. And, and she ended up selling the idea to Scholastic, um, and the, the, there were seven of those in a series of early readers, and they were they were all my illustrations with minimal words, um, and that was great. And that led to, um, well, that 
but I have two other children's books too uh, since then. Um, and then when my first daughter was born, I was worried about being a, a mother of a daughter <laughs> uh, just because I'd heard stories and I I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to have a cartoon book about about being mothers and daughters? So that's, I, I edited a collection of cartoons by women about that subject. And then um, a bunch after that, similar type of books, fathers and sons, husbands and wives. And then um, in then 2005, I did a book. I, I had, was always aware that there weren't many women in this business. I knew that going in and I didn't really pay much attention to it. I just wanted to be a cartoonist. Um, but around, around 1999, I started thinking more seriously about why, why are there not more women drawing cartoons? What's that all about? And I started researching and I found women at the New Yorker in 1925. There was one woman in the first issue of the New Yorker magazine in 1925. And I began looking more closely at these, these women. This was pre-internet, so or pretty much pre-internet. So I didn't find a whole lot, but I found enough to convince a publisher to publish history. So I wrote a history of the women cartoonists of the New Yorker. And that came out in 2005. And then a couple of other books, uh, one about a couple about feminism and cartoons. And um, I'm just being very quick to tell you. And the one I did with my husband, who's also a New Yorker cartoonist, Michael Maslin. So we did a book together called Cartoon Marriage. And um, and then last, last year, or 2017, the New Yorker had, uh, up until around that time, the women were still a smaller in number, but I, we noticed that they were now equal. There were the same number of men and women in one issue. So I began to think, I need to update my book. So the publisher agreed, and we did a, a new edition of the book with new material and new interviews and, um, and a forward by David Remnick and, and the cartoon editor, Emma Allen. And that came out in 2020. Too. So just last year, and I'm very proud of that. I'm, I'm, it's my, it was a labor of love, no money in it. I just, I just love having that book and having had done that research and lived, lived with those women and brought, brought attention to them. So. Well, congratulations on all the success of the books, because the, the, there's a great a collection of books uh, that you've been published through over the years and you know whether it's funny ladies you know mm -hmm. on that story of from night was it 1925 onwards uh, in mm -hmm. the, the new yorker um, and cartoon marriage i think is great uh, that's a wonderful yeah. <laughs> uh, a wonderful book so thanks so much uh, for sharing that with us um, the other thing i'd like to ask you as well as we move away from books and top authors and you know all that kind of stuff is about your own life and about people that inspire you because it it's not very often you meet somebody who's made a life and a career from drawing you know and being involved in that sort of media world and that art world so what inspired you uh, what you know where does that inspiration come from was it a particular person at some moment in time have there been people in your life that have contributed to your journey that when you look back on it you think you know what I learned so much from that person, or I really looked up to that person, or that person helped me. What 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 does that look like for you, Liza? There's no one particular person, although I, I would credit my mother for introducing me to um, and encouraging me to draw cartoons. She, um, I don't know if you you or your viewers know James Thurber, but he was a cartoonist in the 30s for the New Yorker, and, and I would trace his cartoons 
and it made my mother smile. So I was hooked um, that I realized I could use drawings to make people happy. Um, so that her her encouragement, my father also encouraged me, but she was more directly encouraging. And um, James Thurber was a huge influence. His work is very simple and loose. It's not political. Um, and then the political cartoonists of the time, like Gary Trudeau and her block, as I mentioned, and international cartoonists that I began to learn about, um, Ralph Steadman, um, Sampe, these are all people that I admired and looked to towards. Um, but there's also somebody that uh, that's not a cartoonist that was a big influence. I like to mention her is, is Jane Goodall. And I know it seems may seem odd if you guys know Jane Goodall is the, the naturalist and, and scientist who studied chimpanzees. And I remember noticing her as a child and, and being so enamored with her because she was so headstrong and quiet and principled and got her work done and has changed the world. And, and I admired her for that. And I, since I'm a quiet, headstrong person, I could relate to that. She was a role model in that way. So, yeah. yeah that's great. Thanks for sharing that. That's wonderful. Yeah, uh, I like those a lot. Um, <laughs> the other question that kind of relates to that again is that the best advice you've received, you know, it might be that sort of aha moment where you've gone, oh, I wish I'd have known that sooner. Uh, or is there some advice that you've picked up along the way that you've you've held on to that helps you through life? Or maybe it's just advice that you often pass on to others that you think is useful for us to hear. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really, I, I mean, I, I think about my father who uh, was a very, he was a physician, um, but he taught me to try new things and explore new things and never be afraid to uh, go out of your comfort zone. Um, he's the one that took us to Rome when I was 16. And I think that was a huge change for me. It's like doing something scary, but new and, and fascinating. And um, so I'm always, and I just think that I, that's what you have to keep doing if you want to stay creative and relevant is just keep trying new things and that's probably why the live drawing thing happened and um i just my family teases me because i'm the one that i'm I'm an early adopter of anything technological i'm just like i i get that app or i get that new device or whatever and, and i have to try it so that's what I, that's what i would say is just keep drawing Keep trying, keep exploring, because the more you explore, the more you learn about yourself and the more you learn about the world around you. So I think keep exploring is great advice. Thank you. <laughs> um, what about the year ahead as you look forward now? I mean, you know, the next six to 12 months, how do you plan? How does it work for you? Is there anything you're hoping to achieve? What are you focused on? Well, speaking of exploring, I am going into a new field. Um, I'm not giving up cartooning by any means. I'm still exploring that and doing work for the New Yorker. I still work for them in the live drawing. Um, but I, I'm, I'm um, developing a documentary based on my book, Very Funny Ladies. So I want to do it, and I am going to do a documentary about women cartoonists, not just in this country, but women cartoonists internationally, because I know, uh, I know, I know them personally, some of them. Um, but I just think it's an interesting way to look at the barriers that women have had and how um, so many of them still have uh, and how they've overcome them 
and how you know how we can learn so much about women's lives through through drawing and through cartoons because it's cartoons are about life so um that's that very I'm, exciting. I'm learning about writing uh for film and i'm I, i've written a, a non i mean a, a fiction screenplay as well um because i think cartoons and film are so closely related uh they're, they're like cousins first cousins so it's uh and for me it's a natural next step so yeah there's something in that visual world whether it's that you mentioned the white lotus earlier and to answer your question i think most people in ireland have blasted through both seasons okay good. The See, minute they dropped um but i must search out your cartoon because that's one i miss for some reason i don't remember seeing that so I must which one uh, did you say you did a cartoon about white lotus yes i must dig that I, out because i, I yeah. don't know why i didn't see that because i see most of the things that you put out but uh, i must go back and check that all right <laughs> um but yeah, so you're in the screenwriting world, you're in the production world. That seems like a very exciting time ahead. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. certainly keeping my head spinning. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the other thing before we finish up, uh, Elijah, is I want to ask you if there's anything else that you that I haven't mentioned that you'd like to bring to the attention of our worldwide audience. And also if people want to get in touch with you, whether it's to mm -hmm. join your newsletter, follow you on Substack, mm -hmm. you know, get, in, get involved uh, with the books, find out more about the documentary when you can share more information. Where's the best place to send people to? Um, there's a couple places. Uh, my website, lizadonnelly.com um, is an aggregate of stuff. Uh, you can see a lot on twitter and instagram again liza donnelly um and uh my Substack is is liza donnelly.substack.com i think that's the earl but uh if you just go to Substack and you can subscribe and i do it five days a week i i post something about either about politics or about drawing in the subway or sometimes just a cartoon reject because I as a cartoonist we, we we all do a lot of cartoons and most of them don't see the light of day so um and and I have a paid a paid side of Substack where you can become a supporter of my work which I really appreciate because I think Substack and Medium you can also find me on Medium where I do similar things maybe even more lengthy articles uh on Medium but both of those models are a great way for creatives to to earn more money because it's so hard to with the media changing so quickly right now and so so drastically that it's it's often hard for the creatives in our world to connect with their viewers immediately and to to get paid so there's so many so many um gatekeepers so and also linkedin i'm on linkedin i'm i'm, I'm even on tiktok so <laughs> you're everywhere like yeah, no, tiktok TikTok, it, tiktok inspires me because it's people are so funny and and creative uh it's uh it continually makes me laugh and smile well look as an as an early adopter of technology as you mentioned i'd expect nothing less i mean i'm sure you're on tiktok <laughs> yeah. of course you're on I've, I've tried snapchat but i didn't really like it that much <laughs> Very good. Well, look, I mean, that brings us nicely to the end of this episode, I think, today with Liza Donnelly, mm. uh, you know, a visual journalist, a writer, a cartoonist, a contributor, a documentary writer, a screenwriter, <laughs> a contributor, you know, whether it's the New York Times or CNN or the Washington Post or the New Yorker, everywhere. Um, I'd encourage everybody to 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 catch up with uh, Liza and her work. And um, I will I will be looking forward to the next time you're on the subway because I like getting those. Uh, Thank you. I and that. I uh, I hope to come to Dublin again sometime soon. I love I love that city. That'd be great, yeah. 
Um, well, listen, thanks to everybody who's been watching or listening around the world. Thanks for watching this episode with, with Liza and I. Uh, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, do all the things I need you to do to help support the podcast. And I hope you'll join me back here for some more discussions with creatives, leaders, and thinkers. Liza, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been wonderful to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking some time. You're today. very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you.